cross oh. comes in. White with the header. And here comes Whitehead. It's gold for Great Britain. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Track and Ball Podcast with myself, Ellen White. And Richard Whitehead. Now, thank you so much for all your support and make sure if you haven't watched or listened to our previous podcast, we have some awesome guests. We've had the likes of Becky Adlington, Greg Rutherford, Ronnie O'Sullivan and Tom Daly. So make sure you check those out. And don't forget, you know what to do. The little red icon, subscribe and you can also find us on other formats that you normally listen to and watch your podcasts on. Now, on today's episode, we have the most decorated British gymnast of all time. He's got five medals, Olympic medals, two golds and three bronzes. Now, we are joined by today, Max Whitlock. So what I wanted to ask you to start with was how important gymnastics is to you and um, what you what you think of gymnastics at the moment and obviously in the tough times that we're in. Yeah, um, gymnastics for me, obviously... Is, you know, I started gymnastics when I was seven years old. It's kind of throughout my whole life, it's been mainly what I know. You know, it, it, I, I feel very lucky to be able to do something that I absolutely love. You know, I love every part of it. I love every aspect of it when it comes to training, um, training with teammates, uh, the, 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 the tough build-ups towards competitions and actually going out there competing, you know, travelling the world, competing, doing what you love. It's, it's brilliant. You know, that's why I feel very lucky. Um, it's an incredible sport. And like you said, Richard, I think, it, you know, it does teach so many skills um, from a young age as well. Um, like, like some you mentioned, you know, teamwork, discipline, dedication, like what it takes to... Yeah, um, yeah exactly, exactly. Because resilience is a big one, um, especially as you, you go up through the ranks, which I'm sure obviously you both know that, you know, bouncing back from tough times is so important. And if you learn that from a youngster, um, you know, even if you are throwing it at a deep end with, you know, sport is tough. Sport has got tough sides to it. Of course it does. So does everything in life. But if you want to be successful, you've got to work for it. And, and you've, uh, got a, you've got a big voice as well, haven't you, Max? And I think sometimes it needs people like you to really stand up and embrace the sport. And do you feel you've got a platform to be able to do that as well? Yeah, and that's what I, um, I feel kind of, honoured to be able to do that you know I feel it feels strange you know that youngsters look at look up to me as a kind of a role model figure which feels very very nice um and that's why um a huge part of what I do now is trying to encourage the youngsters to first of all get involved but then once they're involved stick with it you know it, it's brought so many great opportunities to me it's brought, uh, opened so many doors to me and it's taught me so much so that's why I kind of see my role as you know doing what I'm doing within the sport, still trying to improve, still trying to, you know, get results for the country, but also having that bit of responsibility on my shoulders, which I really, really enjoy having, is, is trying to help the next generations come through because um, I don't want to see the sport drop off in 10, 20, 30 years' time if, mm. um, if that backup of gymnasts isn't coming through. So, yeah, it, it feels good to be in that position to hopefully have a big impact on that. I'm actually on the Athlete Commission, uh, for athletics and I feel that's that's my kind of transition between athlete and then kind of into that governance role and yeah. uh, we've had massive like change like we've got new CEO new head coach uh, and they're looking to transform the sport and really have a massive impact on um, how the athlete comes first mm -hmm. before the medals um, I know obviously it's really tough times at the moment with gymnastics do you think that's something that you'd like to get more involved in? And, and where do you see gymnastics going 
in the near future towards Tokyo and beyond? Yeah, like I said, like I, I fully would take that responsibility on board and try to help the next generation. If I can do more in that space, 100% I'll jump it. You know, that is really, really important to me. You know, if we, if we do look back to London 2012, uh, it was Inspire Generation. That was the slogan. That's what all the athletes were kind of seeing everywhere, hearing everywhere. And we, as gymnasts, not just me, the team, we took it upon ourselves to really try and grab that with both hands and move the sport forward a bit. So London 2012 propelled it into new heights and Rio 16 propelled it into bigger heights. So, you know, I feel like being a big part of those, being a part of that team, yeah, I can, you know, hopefully hopefully help with my experiences moving forwards. And, and you, you know, you talk about valuing the athletes, you know, we've learned so much throughout the years. And before kind of 2008, London 2012, um, gymnastics was new to this space where we was getting results. You know, it hasn't been a long time of, of just results after results. It hasn't been like that for our sport. So we're in kind of new generations. We're in um, new territory here. So there's a lot of things to learn uh, with the whole sport as, as you know, officials, coaches, the team, the, the gymnasts as well. Everyone needs to keep learning, constantly learning. And I think that's yeah. what's really important. And a fresher approach as well, I think, sometimes, isn't it? I think yeah. we've got we've got a CEO now that's come from like net, netball and, I'm, I'm really key for people to bring new ideas, but also have make sure those key values are underpinned in all the decisions uh, she makes and the, the organisation to move forwards. And as I see, as I see like, uh, women's football as well as athletics, I think gymnastics has got a real um, opportunity to make some proper change here. But I also think athletes like yourself need to have a real voice in how that moves forwards because you're, you're, your views and your your performances have made life changing uh, opportunities for people in gymnastics. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I think, um, like you say, you know, getting other people's opinions, other people's views. I think that's how it needs to be. You know, um, it doesn't matter where the information comes from. Sometimes it can be a golden nugget information. Yeah. Um, someone that's not even knows much about the sport um, that actually can be the game changing part to helping the sport move forward. So everyone needs to, you know, kind of work together. We're in a space where we can do that um, and we need to just constantly keep improving, keep improving the sport, trying to keep um, keep doing what we're doing and keep doing it better and better. I mean, everything can improve and, and hopefully, you know, in 10, 20 years time and the whole future of our gymnastics sport, hopefully it can be in a, in a, in a, in a great place then and, uh, and continue and then continue getting results in a way that, you know, everybody's happy as well. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, similar to, to women's football and, and Paralympic sport, like Rich, you know, we're, especially for football, we were like 50 years behind the men. So it's all about growing your sport. Like you say, with gymnastics, it's growing it, developing it and um, hopefully projecting it into the limelight and, and something that, you know, kids um, all around can get involved at, even at such a young age, because it's all the sports that we're involved in are like life changing sports and give you great skills as well. Yeah, 100%. So let's let's take it back to the beginning. So you started gymnastics at seven, and um, I've been doing a bit of research, but you know the internet—it's not always true. So I just want to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> just want to clarify it. So at twelve, did you move to Slovenia for a few months to to train with your coach? Yes, I did. Yeah, not loads of people know about it actually. Okay. Um, yeah, I started at seven years old. Absolutely loved going in, loved training. Um, and then it got to a point where, you know, I was training in the, in the local club where I, you know, grew up in Hemel Hempstead. Yeah. And my coach at the time, um, he was Slovenian. He decided to leave, go back home. And um, 
for me, that was kind of, kind of a really tough time um, because that was the only really time in my career where I thought um, of the option of quitting. Oh, wow. um, yeah, so it was, it was a big stage um, and quite a, a big decision um, mm. at, at such a young age. You know, I, was, I was 12 years old. Um, and then my, my coach said, would I want to come out to Slovenia with him um, to train at the gym there uh, and, and to continue that way? Did you first say, where Slovenia? <laughs> <laughs> what's the food like what's the language like where's slovenia well those are questions yeah, <laughs> yeah god yeah i mean it, it was it was surreal you know like it was it was like i said it was a big decision not only for me but yeah, for my awesome. parents as well you yeah. know i was so young it was do i do i follow my coach and go out to slovenia and continue my sport um mm-hmm. because at that time i didn't want to go to any other gym club so i made the i made the jump um and i actually got a, a flight out there on my own, you know, 12 years old, to look wow. back and think, wow. Um, but yeah, I did it. And um, I went out there, continued the sport. And for me, um, I lasted three months and I missed home too much. Mm. Um, and three months, when I was that age, um, being away from Old family, it, it felt like, yeah, it felt like a lifetime. Um, mm. So, you know, I, I, I decided that it was, it was time for me to come home uh, but I miss family too much, I miss home too much. Uh, but I don't regret it because if I didn't make that choice to go out there, I may not be even a gymnast today. Um, and also, even if I did continue gymnastics, go somewhere else at that time, um, I may not have achieved what I wanted to achieve because, you know, mm. I could have maybe always looked back and thought, what if? Um, so I'm happy I kind of checked that off, um, yeah. realised that actually it did bring some benefits, of course, but it wasn't right. It wasn't the right path for me. Mm. I, I, I come home. Um, I got back into my schooling, which was a strange process, you know, going back into school, having a three months off. Um, and then, um, yeah, I went, I moved to South Essex, uh, gym club where, where I, where I am now still today. So that's, that's why actually going to Slovenia brought me to South Essex and mm. um, where yeah. you know, that, that impact on my career has been massive. Yeah. And I think sometimes when you, when, when you have those experiences, those life experiences, they're, they're things that that aid with things like resilience and mm-hmm. make you not just the better athlete, but also a better person because you can, you've experienced that, whether it's positive or negative, it's a great life experience. A hundred percent. It brought so much confidence out of me. It made me more independent. Um, you know, I was living in a foreign country um, at a young age. I was. What could you cook to... before that point? Could you actually cook anything for yourself? Nah. nah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but I, I remember, um, I had my little yellow bike. Um, I used to ride to school. I used to get to school an hour earlier than school started so that I can go and uh, do a language lesson, learn in Slovenian, learning. Oh, wow. um, I would then do normal school. And I remember like, it was, it was funny, like in the, in the maths lessons, I obviously I hardly understood anything, um, but <laughs> write so much on the whiteboard. And what I used to do is I used to literally write everything, everything they wrote on the whiteboard, I used to write it down in my book. And I used to just literally, so I was doing like 10 times the work everyone else <laughs> just to try and do what I could do. Um, but I think in terms of that, it taught me lessons, you know, it taught yeah. me like, yeah. hard work, dedication. Yeah, um, right. We'll get you places, definitely. Yeah, so then you obviously transitioned uh, from U4 or uh, into senior level and then obviously with Scott now, aren't you? Yes. Um, and that's also, it's, it's when I when I talk to athletes and when we've, talk to other athletes um, on the podcast, we've always spoke about the importance of getting a, 
a real great coach that you can connect with and not necessarily be best friends with, but have that common ground. Um, and I've seen um, I've seen a Netflix uh, doc- documentary playbook. Have you seen any of those at all? No, I haven't. It's it's about um, like coaching uh, networks, and it's got like Doc Rivers, the basketball co- coach, on there. It's a real great thing, and it really kind of dissects what a, a great coach is. And um, Ellen's seen it as well, Abigail's, yeah, yeah. and yeah. and it, it's really informative. But I just wondered what kind of impact has has Scott had, and how has he developed you, not just as a person or a team player, but um, how has he developed you to this stage, and where does he see you moving forward? Uh, yeah, so I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have these results behind me, uh, these titles behind me, definitely not without Scott. Um, he's had a huge impact on my career. Um, and like you say, you hit the nail on the head when you said um, not just in the gym, but, you know, out of the gym personally. Uh, I'm actually family with, with, with Scott. You know, uh, Scott is my brother-in-law. Um, I hope I got that right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That'd go down well. <laughs> so we're close. We're close, yeah. um, and we're we're lucky because you know, for one, we we do get on. We really, we get yeah. on really really well. We're close with family. Um, we're both driven. We're both really really motivated individuals. And when you put all that together and you drive that towards one single goal that you're both going towards, it can be really powerful. Um, yeah. So that's. You know, we've worked together for many years now. So as soon as I was, you know, come back from Slovenia, I've been with Scott that whole time up until right. now. And um, yeah, 27 now, so a long time. So we, we kind of know each other inside out. Um, mm. And I think we work together because, you know, I think, you know, Scott's done many interviews before and he spoke about, you know, when I was younger. You know, it's, it's quite, kind of like the relationship is kind of like a teacher um, where, you, where, where the coach is kind of, gives you the lesson plan, gives you what you're doing in session, tells you to do this, do that. Um, and then as you kind of grow up, one thing that Scott learned really, really well was actually to have the transition from that um, to see me grow up into an adult and um, for me taking a bit of responsibility on my shoulders as well and actually slowly transition into a, a more of a partnership uh, mm-hmm. where we work together. And now that we've done that for so many years, you could probably ask Scott and you could put us both in separate rooms and ask Scott and ask me what my session plan is. And we would both come up with probably the same ideas mm. um, and the same plan because we literally work in sync now, um, mm. which I think is really key. So we both know what would be best uh, for me in training. You know, we, we've had to be really flexible at times, but we've both had to just kind of learn throughout the whole time we've been working together. And I think, accepting each other like what what people's thought what each other's thoughts are communicating a lot I think has been absolutely key to our relationship we've we've spoken to other kind of athletes um about like their coaches and saying like um almost like your coach giving you almost like a toolbox um for you to to kind of use and develop and learn so questions answered as you're growing up being more of like an adult and and more experienced gymnast having that toolbox to essentially move you forward is that mm. something that you felt that you've kind of gained as well from Scott uh yeah 100 you know he's given me all the tools I need you know I, I've, I've learned so much from him um mm. and that's where my well I said about putting me in a separate room and working mm. out my special plan that's from what he's built in me yes. and instilled in yeah. me all, all of these years yeah so I kind of know what's best from for me in training mm. through what Scott's taught me so 100 yeah. 100 yeah. I agree with that um yeah 
the, the importance of having a, a great coach is is, is key. Um, but for, for me, you know, I think that one of the biggest things is actually I've been lucky enough to, you know, get on with my coach. You know, a lot of people don't. You know, a lot of yeah. coaches and gymnasts and athletes, they clash. And me yeah. and Scott have worked so closely, got on throughout the whole time. And, um, you know, both just want to kind of enjoy the journey as well as, you know, trying to produce results and trying to achieve together, really. What do you disagree about? Anything? Do you, what do we disagree about? Yeah, yeah. Um, to be honest, not much. Could be um, anything. Can be like, can be like anything. What do you, you must disagree? I disagree with my coach. We've got loads of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would, I would love to say a few things, but honestly, honestly, I think um, not much at all. And I think that's because we're both kind of so accepting of each other's views. Um, and whenever Scott kind of comes up with an idea um, and, you know, we, we kind of have to bounce off each other. So it's not so much, you know, if Scott says this, I disagree or anything like this. It's kind of like, what do you think about this? Or well, I'm thinking mm -hmm. this. And we work together uh, to yeah. kind of make a decision and yeah. find a conclusion. So, you know, at, at this time, you know, obviously, you know, it's, bit, it's a bit of a weird phase uh, at the moment with, you know, everything that's going on in the world. So, you know, recently we've had to sit down and talk about, um, obviously returning back to sport and what's that going to look like and how many days is it going to be a, a slow build-up how long is it going to be um, you know dragged out for and then it's like and then we, we had a recent conversation of actually what's training looking like now it might be better for me to drop a day um, and do more fitness day on that one um, so I don't come into the gym that might be better for me moving forwards and, and everything like that so it's for us it's all of kind of nothing's like this is what you need to do. It's, it's mm. a kind of a partnership where we work yeah. together to come to a, um, a solution, really. Mm. So let's take it to, to some of your kind of earlier competitions. So 17, 2010, you went to the Junior European Championships and mm. you did all right, you did okay. Um, <laughs> did you expect to achieve like those medals at that championships? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> um, I think... I think, you know, I kind of have the mindset of trying to never expect anything. Yeah. You know, you both know in, in sport, you know, like that, um, mm -hmm. a result can change. And, yeah. uh, you know, when you talk about gymnastics, people fall off all the time. People make mistakes all, yeah. all of the time. Um, and the smallest mistakes can cost you. So, you know, I, I try to never expect anything. I like to go in, obviously, as prepared as I possibly can and mm. have the potential to do, um, hit my targets. Um but going into that competition, I was still so young, so I was inexperienced. Yeah. I didn't have um, much idea of what kind of competition was out there. So for me, it was all about going, trying, giving it my best shot mm. uh, and seeing what I can do. And just kind yeah. of back then, I hadn't done much. So it was seeing, you know, just literally at that time, this is the competition, this is yeah. what I can do. Um, not even thinking about where it can take me. It's just mm. thinking, try my best at this one. Um, and we and we will see. So and it, it turned out good, which was a brilliant platform <laughs> to work from. Now, me, me and Rich were talking about before we before you came on about the scoring system in gymnastics. Because mm. I'm a bit like he knows a little bit, I know a bit a bit, but like how does it work? Obviously, the score and the points, like talk us through the actual scoring system of essentially winning an event. Yeah, so it, the scoring system is a bit of a nightmare, really. Um, to say <laughs> that it's so hard to kind of get to grips with, even for yeah. gymnasts. So for spectators, it's 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 so difficult. Um, but basically, so you, as a senior gymnast, you have ten skills that you count in your routine. Yeah. The higher the value skills, so the higher the difficulty, the yeah. more points you're going to add up. So 
Um, you start by adding those 10 skills up. Each skill is valued, obviously, individually. Um, they're valued by letter. I'll try, I'll try to simplify this as much as possible. <laughs> so if a skill is worth an A, yeah. it's worth one tenth to you. If it's worth right. a B, it's worth two tenths, and so on, so on. It goes up and up. Um, so if you have a routine worth of you know, all A's, you're going to add those up and you add your requirements up. You've got other requirements that you need to hit. Um, but basically, you add all that up and you come out with a start score. So that's your difficulty value of your routine. Um, so the judges work that out while you're doing your routine and then you have a separate panel of judges that then take deductions off of your start value. Um, so you get deductions for bent legs, not pointing your toes, obviously clear mistakes, falling off. Um, and they all, they add those up, they tally them up. Um, and then you have your start value score and then you have your deductions, which drops it, obviously. Then you come out with your final score, which obviously... So you have to put that in before you actually start. You can't just make it up as you go along, right? <laughs> No, you, you, you can if you want to, but I wouldn't. Oh, really? Just go just put another couple of turns in and somersaults and stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah you can, but I'll, obviously I wouldn't advise it massively. So there's literally two panels of judges. Um, one's judging and literally checking off each skill, working out yeah. your start early. The others are taking deductions. So it's it's quite manic for them, judges, yeah. um, mm. to work out so quickly because some skills go, go and pass really, really quick. You could so have had like a, a coffee shop and you could be like, today I'm feeling sick. Yeah, that's when the, dis do... the disagreement then with the coach will happen, I think, then, Scott. Will be like, oh, sorry, I just did a couple of extra spins there. Sorry about that. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, you can. And there has been, I know it sounds crazy, but there has been uh, an incident that we'll probably get onto where, you know, we have almost done that, but it was planned. Um, if you do it unplanned, that's probably a bit wild. Um <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's a are hard you, job for judges. Are, are you mm -hmm. one of those? Are you one of those athletes that would let you go? I want to stick to this like one thousand percent, or are you kind of going? Actually, I'm feeling like the nuts today. I'm going to have a go at this. It's only ever, I've only ever done this one in my dreams. I'm going to have a go at it. No, no. Uh, <laughs> that's good knowing. That's good knowing. When I'm at when I'm at the bookies putting some money on you in 2021, I'm going. Max is a shoo-in. He's like proper thousand percent in that zone. <laughs> I would like to have that bravery. I really would. But, um, you know, I kind of, I have the mindset where if I am going for something and I'm set on it, then for me in my head, you know, it's all about being calm on the day. So the more I can sort of stick to my plan, I'm better. Sometimes you have to veer off. Don't get me wrong. And sometimes, and as a gymnast, sometimes you make mistakes as you're doing the routine and you have to be able to yeah. adapt quickly. Um, yeah, yeah. So some things you have to just, you know, keep on your feet. But um, I, I'd rather be kind of planned and it will go to plan. That's <laughs> like a perfect scenario. And that's obviously individually. And um, gymnastics is not just individual, but it's also like a team <laughs> event. And in 2010, you went to Commonwealth, someone silver. Um, how, how do you think, and bronze on the, was it Pommel Horse? You won bronze as well on the Pommel Horse? Yeah. Um, how is no, it different? Than, to, I can't remember. Mate, you can't even remember what you've done. Seriously, my memory is so yeah, bad. I'll read it out. Silver, <laughs> silver all we... round, bronze on the pommel yeah. horse, silver on the bars. Mate, smashed is right? it. Is that right? He doesn't even know. He doesn't even know. I, I, I write your Wikipedia, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> mate, I'll tell you what, this, we're altered Wikipedia. He does not know. He does not know. Any goals at the Olympics? He does not know. Uh, <laughs> but what one... Do you enjoy individual more than team events? Uh, and two, do you find there's more pressure? Mm -hmm. um, because I I was 
I don't know if you know, I went to Winter Paralympics in 2006 um, in Turin and that was a team event. And we had a couple of good players, but we had some right douchebags that really didn't kind of pull the weight. Now, obviously, you've, you've got lots of people in your team that kind of maybe don't fit your standards. Um, <laughs> do, you, I, I, do you prefer individual team? Um, That's well, to call them douchebags, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a requirement. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the, the, the team is made up of, you know, individuals. Uh, that's how it works for us. Um, and everyone kind of has their different strengths. So for me, my strengths are sometimes so different to the other teams. And that's why when we do come together, a team of individuals, that's why we can work well. Um, because of everyone's Sometimes or all the time. Put in? Sometimes or all the time. Um, all the time, pretty much, because uh, for, for a gymnastics team, that's how the team has to be configured, because um, if you're going for that team result, um, you obviously have a certain, certain amount of people that allocations for the team, and then yeah, you have yeah. certain allocations for how many people can go up on each piece. So you have to kind of work out who can be, how can you get the best team to get the best result, which is really tricky sometimes, really, really tricky. So that's why everyone has their different skill sets, different expertise. Uh, and that's why you can never predict what the team will be. Um, but for me, preferring individual or team, um, it's quite difficult. There's there's an amazing thing about actually winning a team medal, mm. um, which you you both would you know it's I think you can both agree with that. Yeah. You if you if you all of you crack it on the day, that feeling where you can actually celebrate with everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. In, yeah. That, in that environment in that moment knowing that pressure knowing that hard work that's gone into it and you all do a good job and you all get a result in the end of it that feeling is un- unbelievable um uh as an individual i i really enjoy that i think you know it's all on your shoulders um mm-hmm. the, that's where the pressure is slightly different for for compared to team you know that pressure is it's not a nice kind of pressure as a team it really isn't because you you have to hold your side of it. Um, to, <laughs> it's like if you if you if you don't do great, you're letting not only yourself, you're letting your team down big mm. time, um, and that's not a nice pressure to deal with. So you know, I feel quite lucky in that sense that yeah, we have um, a team competition, but gymnastics is mainly individual. Um, so it's all up to me. You know, it's all up to me to do a good job. It's all on my shoulders. If I don't, I've only got myself to blame, um, and you can only kind of learn from the mistakes, reflect on it and, and, and try not to make them again, really. So London 2012, bronze mm. on the pommel horse, um, which was amazing. Um, <laughs> talk to us about the whole London 2012 experience for you. Um, it was surreal. It was absolutely crazy. Um, I was 19 at the time, uh, unexpected to produce any result. And, um, you know, I was going there very inexperienced. I hadn't even done a world championships beforehand. Mm. I was reserved for the world championships the year before. Um, so I was really trying hard to kind of break into that team. Um, it was a five-man team. And there's obviously a lot of boys that are going for that, you know, those five spots, which is so true. Who, who else was in that team, mate? Um, it was me, um, Christian Thomas, Thomas, Daniel Purvis, Sam Oldham and Lewis Smith. Five-man team there. Um, it was a really good team and, and I always look back at London 2012 and think that that was an absolute golden era um, of our sport. It really, really was. That team of individuals coming together, um, team of coaches coming together at the right time, right place. It was incredible. Um, home games where I, the, the atmosphere was unbeatable. 
and I always look back at London 2012 in any future competitions I did from that point onwards. I, I look back and think that no atmosphere, no kind of support, no kind of pressure is ever going to um, uh, live up to that. So I look back at 2012 and think, you know, I can, if I can do that, if I can mm. compete under that pressure there, I can compete anywhere. And that kind of calms me a lot moving forwards. But 2012 was literally a dream come okay. true. And because you won that, I think because you won that, that medal, it was a team medal, wasn't it, that you won bronze? Yeah. Team medal, yeah. First time. Yeah, so, and I think that because you won the team medal, I think that really set the sport up for um, for its future. And, and and people were kind of sort like when you won that medal, everybody like was like, wow, look at these guys kind of coming together. And the, the camaraderie was awesome. And I remember uh, when we did some work together um, for Nissan at Goodwood, yeah. remember, we had the conversation. Yeah. I remember I had my gold medal from, from London. Thanks yeah. for that. And you had your bronze. And yeah. uh, we had the conversation with it. It was like, I think Scott was there at the time. And uh, it was like, oh, yeah, next four years, I'm, I'm going for one of those. And yeah. um, I remember how like, driven you were around, yeah, next four years, I'm, I'm getting one of those. I'm like, no, you're not. You're getting two. No, I didn't. I, don't, I, wasn't, I, wasn't that, I wasn't that confident, mate. I wasn't that confident. But I, rem- I remember how how it definitely like, opened that kind of door to what the Olympic success could look like for you. And ah, Yeah, 100%. London 2012 was an absolute springboard for, mm. for not only me, the whole team, like you say, for the whole sport. Um, it made a lot of people believe what was possible. And um, from then, like speaking from me personally, London 2012, like I couldn't, couldn't believe, like I had three weeks off after training, uh, after, after Olympics, three weeks off after training completely. Um, and then I was absolutely itching to get back in. The motivation kick that London 2012 gave me was <laughs> like, you couldn't beat it. You couldn't beat it. Um, and I just wanted to do more and do more, constantly improve and improve and improve. Um, and like, like you kind of mentioned there, the build up to London 2012 um, was quite different when you compare the build up from London 2012 to Rio. You know, that was a point where in that in that four year cycle up towards Rio, it was, you know, me and Scott really sat down. We had our focuses, we had our plan, our roadmap on what we wanted to to do in those four years um, to put us in a position where we wanted to be in Rio. So London 2012 set us up massively um, and, you know, it was an absolute springboard for, for me moving forwards and for the whole sport as a whole. Like it, it changed it. It really did. I was going to say following that, the London 2012, like, you know, you went crazy successful in terms of like the first British man to win a world championship gold medal um you know the confidence and momentum that London 2012 gave you was it just gave you that confidence of winning a medal and that focus that drive like you talk about because yeah like the amount that you won following 2012 in the build-up to Rio was was crazy yeah um I, I think that I've always kind of said is that you know Gaining a result, um, especially something like an Olympic medal, uh, mm. is is an incredible time. Uh, and I think it can either both go both ways. It really can. Uh, you see a lot of people that gain a result and they've done amazing, um, and it tails off. Yeah. Um, and you see the other side as well. And I think as long as you get a result and you use it to your advantage, um, that's the most important thing. So you gain off it. You don't slow down after it. You absolutely gain off it. You use it as a platform, as a springboard to kind of motivate you to do more and more um, rather than sit back and think, I've done that. 
I can have mm. a bit of chill time now and then work towards the next one when I'm ready. It's yeah. about kind of like, I, I was young at that time. I really had to use that and kick it. Um, and I think that's the, was the absolute key to it, using a result to gain more. Um, it built my confidence up so much um, in competitions. You know, like I said, I look back at 2012 and if I thought if I could compete under there, I could compete anywhere. Um, so moving forwards, I think, you know, going to each competition, I had that confidence that really helped me mm. go for my routine as good as I possibly can. And that's, that's all you need. You need that confidence. You need that, you know, obviously the preparation um, to, to go okay as well. It doesn't need to be perfect, but mm. you need to have that mindset ready that you can go and you can perform um, no matter what. I was about to say, yeah, it's, it's all about that mindset, isn't it? And, and having those positive people around you. And we, we, we've spoke to Greg Rutherford about, about being consistent, about um, what it takes to have that winning mentality, and especially with, with yourself where you have one chance to maybe do that routine. Mm. Um, what kind of what kind of ability do you need to be able to do that? How do, how do you expect explain that consistency in your sport and, and how hard is it to be consistent at your level within various different exercises that you compete? Um, it's really difficult, really difficult because, you know, you, you, you are talking about all sports, but yeah, definitely the finest margins can, can knock that consistency off straight away. Um, but it is, I think motivation is absolute key and it's self-motivation and it's the hard thing is it's not just self-motivation for a couple of weeks. It's for the entire time. It's for every single session that you go in, you've got to want to improve. You've got to want to be better than it was the other day. Um, and you've got to want to learn something new. You've got to have your your short-term targets, your long-term targets. I set targets all the time um, and I work towards them. And, you know, because I'm motivated to get there, um, I usually achieve them a lot quicker than I even plan to. Um, and it's really tough because um, motivation doesn't come easy um, for, for, you know, a lot of people. Um, throughout my career, I was lucky when I was young, I couldn't get enough of it. You know, motivation for me was just flooded in um, because I loved what I did. Um, I loved training. I loved everything about it. Um, as you get older, no doubt things get tougher, more pressured environments come into play. Um, and that's where you kind of have to grab motivation from wherever you can, um, whether it be your environment, whether it be your surroundings, the, the people you're surrounded by, whether it's, um, sounds funny, but the clothes you wear, the music that you listen to. Um, literally, you do you have to do be able to, and you have to be willing to do everything to get to those finer details to help that one percent performance on the right day. Do, do you think that um, that 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 high level performance is impacted by your environment as well? And um, how how important do you think people that are around you um, enable to create that in, environment? And it, not just your coach, but maybe even like your family and the understanding yeah. of your family that the sacrifices that you have to give to be a high performing athlete? I think it's everything. I think your mindset going into, you got, you got like, as you two know, as an athlete, you, the amount you train is crazy. You know, the amount of hours, the amount of days in the week, the, um, the amount of days off is very, very small. Yeah. Um, so you People think it's just about winning as well, don't they? And it's not that it's actually knowing that you can actually like, you've trained all this, all this time yeah. hundreds and hundreds of hours and all of a sudden at one given time you're able to nail it and that's what you do all the time live on tv it's and that's what the hardest thing is yeah it's it's being able to motivate yourself when no one's watching you know it's in the back yeah. um, it's that and that's where the real hard work actually comes in it doesn't come in on the day 
of, of the competition or the event. Um, it, it's 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 the months and the years of build up and preparation beforehand. Because if you haven't done that, you, you you've got no chance in the day. But if you've done all that perfectly, then it just kind of flows. You do, whatever happens on the day happens, um, and and then that's a result of, of what you've done previously, really. So yeah, I, and I, when you when you talk about the kind of the environment and your the people you're surrounded by, I think that has a huge influence um, on you massively. Because if your mindset is you know if you're not feeling up for it if you're not feeling great that day because you know everything's not you know great social media too much or yeah it can be be anything anything at all anything that makes you feel slightly um down a bit or not as you know not upbeat or anything or not really raring to go to that session today that's gonna affect your long-term goal so it's about kind of trying to you know I'm, I'm very lucky you know my family everyone's so accepting of you know how much training I need to do um what I need to do the the, the things that I I just can't go out that day I, you know I, I need to go training and you know I, I I'm, I'm lucky you know I've got a little one now um so Leah's very understanding in terms of you know when it builds up to competitions um sleep is so important for recovery um so you know that that was quite a hard phase when it when you know Willow was born and you know, Leah had to obviously you know work with me and, and and take a lot of the load on at those stages where for me it was so so busy, um, and Willow was waking up in the night all the time and it was hard on Leah but um, she completely understood and I had those people uh, around me that supported me massively. Do you have like a, a toolbox or you know how you really prepare for those um, you know high performing moments because you know for me I, I love performing high pressure games, you know, through training, repetition of movements, goal scoring opportunities. Um, you know, I do a lot of analysis on goalies, defenders, um, you know, I have a process that I go through before a match, you know, do you have something that you work on away from your training environment to be able to handle those moments when it, when it comes to gold winning, you know, moments in a competition? Um, it's a great question. Do you mean outside of the gym? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a great question. Um, to be honest, not much, not much at all. Um, and I think the, the reason for that is because it's really good for me to have a balance. Yeah. Um, so I try to literally all of that work is for me is done in the gym, you yeah. know, all that hard training, all that hard work, all that preparation. Um, me and Scott, we do it at the same, try and do the same preparation each time, whether it's a small local competition, a trial, anything yeah. or the Olympic Games. Yeah, um, it's the same build up. It doesn't matter. You know, we, we look at all competitions the same. Um, but outside the gym, I think it's really good to kind of step away. Um, and I think, you know, having Willow um, has absolutely forced that upon me, <laughs> which I think is a great thing. It's a complete distraction. So that when I come home, if I've had a bad session um, and I literally I drive up on the drive, and Willow's at the window, literally. I'm <laughs> <laughs> really at home. Yeah, you yeah. get out a bad session like that. Yeah, so yeah. you know, Willow forces it. But then I think you know, before we had Willow, it was it was trying to do the same thing. Um, just you know, take yourself out of it. Yeah. Um, you, you can reflect on it, of course. But then you know, tomorrow's a new day, and you just try and make that one better. And it's trying to make every session count as much as you possibly can. Yeah. Having balance is really important for me. How important is it? you being a dad and then how does that how has that changed your kind of your outlook on on being an athlete and how important 
the success you have in the gym is? How has that changed? Um, a lot, crazy amounts. Um, it put a lot of things into perspective uh, massively. Uh, it really did. And do you know what, one thing I'm realising now, which is really funny, which, oh God, it, it doesn't feel like I'm just not what I used to be in that terms because yeah, I used yeah, to be um, so brave. Like I wasn't really scared of much in the gym at all. Like, and now I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or if it's because I'm a dad now, but that just, I don't know. There's a bit more fear factor in me. <laughs> yeah. I'm not liking it. I'm not liking yeah. it at all. Um, but I can't help it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's um, I think that's Willow's fault. It's instilled a bit of a fear factor in me, which um, isn't great. Um, but she's brung so many positives. It's unbelievable. And you know, one of my one of my proudest achievements is having Willow. And then you know, it, I was building up, so I, it was so busy. I had so many competitions, and uh, you know, I went to Europeans and I gained a title there um, when she was seven weeks old which was which was one of my kind of my proud achievements because a lot of people thought like how am I going to handle it yeah. kind of a lot of people kind of thought that I was going to kind of phase out I was going to be done um, and how am I going to compete at an elite level being a dad that's what that's what they thought that's the kind of comments I had so to kind mm -hmm. of try and prove people wrong you know when I say talk about motivation grab it from anywhere proving people wrong for me is huge um, so anyone that kind of doubts me along the way, which has been quite a lot throughout <laughs> the whole journey, which is, um, I actually, you know, you can, <laughs> you, can, you can thank them because thank everybody for doubting Max. Really good job. Like they've been a huge, huge part mm. of actually me really getting like driven to achieve results. <laughs> Proving people wrong is such a huge motivation and a huge drive. So, yeah, and, you know, when, when I talk about motivation as well, Willow's been a huge impact in that. Mm. You know, I've got another little girl to make, try and make proud now, and that's why, you know, I want to keep going for as long as I can. I, you know, it doesn't stop for me, you know, when we go to Tokyo. I want to keep going. I want to keep going to, to Paris, and then if I can, if my body lets me, I'll keep going again. Um, and I'd love for, obviously, Willow to actually see doing uh, gymnastics, competing in, in real life, not just watching it on the... Uh, on YouTube or something like that. So yeah, it's a huge motivation push for me. So Rio 2016 became Britain's most successful Olympic gymnast average, you know. Um, <laughs> was that the the competition that you felt everything clipped? You were performing at the highest level, um, you know, and also how much momentum did it play winning that first gold and then knock on effect to, to winning your second, you know, in that competition at the time? Um, yeah, the first part of that question, I think, um, in terms of results, mm. um, in terms of results that I brought back, yeah, it all clicked. Yeah. But in terms of actually me, my body, um, the build up, it didn't. Um, oh, okay. and that's why I learned a lot because my build up wasn't perfect. Uh, mm -hmm. in 2015, at the beginning of the year, I got glandular fever that took me out for uh, a period of time. I had to build back up to that. Uh, I lost a bit of confidence. And from that moment onwards, my training kind of was, it could never be the same. It couldn't be right. the same. I couldn't just go in the gym and work as hard as I could um, mm -hmm. because my body wouldn't handle it. So for me, it was a real, real phase of learning my body again. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I was not far out from Olympics. 
and all I wanted to do was be in the gym training as hard mm. as I couldn't. So, yeah, going into Olympics, I wasn't in, I don't feel like I was in that prime, prime conditions that I could have potentially been mm. in. But in terms of results, 100% it all clicked, um, which was just like it still feels surreal today that it just like yeah just it doesn't it doesn't feel like that was kind of me in that position there um and I love them twice in one day <laughs> how, how but you you must have been like you must have been just pinching yourself the first time you know what mm. i mean you've done all that four four years worth of work to then yeah. stand on the top of the boat podium like I, I did it in london and i was like what what is going on i did <laughs> out of body experience that's you won, you like, won a medal at London 2012? I did, yeah, I won one. Yeah, I won't say what colour, but I won one. He never, he never talks about it. I never talk about it a lot. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's, oh, it's here we go, here we go. Did you go through that twice? Mm. How mm. did you, con- how, after after winning that, obviously emotionally, it's quite mm. draining, isn't it? Dash and Perm, you've got people in the, in the arena singing with you, going, these people are singing because of the resort that I've had and then you've got to then go actually well this means nothing as long as I don't do it again and then you you smashed it and obviously um, second was uh, Lewis Smith and Mm -hmm. kind of he he, he had that disappointment because he wants to win but then you like stood on the podium again you must have been going like what a day you was this has been a good day today right it was a lottery that day (laughs) it was a good day yeah um I think the reason I was able to do that, I think, you know, because I fully, fully agree with you that, you know, like, like, you know, standing on that podium, win that gold medal is kind of, it's indescribable, the feeling and like how overwhelming it is. Just, it's just crazy. Um, but I'm not saying I didn't feel that, but for me going into that floor final, which was the first one where I won the first gold was my, my target wasn't to win a gold medal. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Um, it was mainly, you know, I'd, I'd have loved a medal. Don't get me wrong. I would have loved to have scraped bronze. Um, I really would have, like, literally being completely honest. But I was happy to be in that floor final to help warm me up for Pommel Horse, um, okay. which was coming next. Which... You did all right, didn't you? You did all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think I was able to kind of keep my mindset so focused on Pommel Horse Mm. Um, because that was my main goal. That was my main goal since stepping off the back of uh, London 2012. You know, I wanted to put myself, when it comes to Rio four years down the line, I wanted to be standing there in a position to have the potential. Like I said, I never expected, but have to, to have the potential to gain a title. Mm. Um, and that was my driving focus. Um, so when it comes to winning floor before Pummel, yeah, but of course it threw me a little bit. But not not massive amounts that you know I lost my focus because I was there to do I want to do my job Mm. um so and I think me as a person I think my nature really helped me in that situation because a lot of people laugh and think you know I just won Olympic gold and my celebration was literally like (laughs) (laughs) it's good (laughs) and I think because or my children, I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it helped me in that situation. Um, I think it really did. So in that situation yeah. in between, so there was an hour and a half in between those, those medals. So in that period of time, I think my children nature helped me. Mm. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, like when I was, you know, 
even going through floor. So I was third man up out of eight in the final. Um, I had my head down before the routine. Um, I didn't see who went before me, how they did or anything. And um, it was my turn. I went up. I'd done my routine as good as I could, which I was pleased with. I went back down um, and I sat there. I had my head down because I, when I compete, I don't like to watch anybody else. I mm. like to focus on, you know, my job and my job only because if I see other scores popping up, that can play with your head and that can, you know, make you make you change your targets. Think I want to beat that now because that, mm. that that's not my goal. There, my goal is to do the best that I possibly can. Um, and I sat there with my head down. I didn't know where I was placing at all. And it got to the end of it. And Scott, Scott, oh, bearing in mind all the way through, Scott was nudging me saying, Max, do you want to know where you're placing? And I was like, no, um, please don't tell me. I'm okay, thank you. And at the end of it, he, he hit me. He hit me in the leg and was like, Max, you're Olympic champion. Um, and that moment, that moment, yeah. that, that moment was a little bit different because that moment hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, and that was quite emotional. I'd always kind of seen people on TV that, you know, they, they, they gain a pinnacle of their career, they get that gold medal and they burst into tears. And for that moment, um, I never thought I'd be that person if I'd ever even, I never thought I'd react like that if I ever reached that. Um, but I did in that moment. Um, but because I was able to kind of just stay chilled a bit after, you know, I did have a little bit of time uh, to go back. I had a job to do still, uh, a focus still, still to, to remain in. I went back and I started going back into the warm-up gym warmed up my pummel horse routine and went out like I hadn't done floor. That's what I had to think. You know, I had to put that behind me that I was done. This is my job now. This is what I came to try and do. And I'm going to give it my best shot. And it it worked out on the day and it was it ended up being a really good day. Yeah. <laughs> like returning returning back from like Rio 2016, like what was it like? Was it some did you expect what was it what did you actually expect coming back from that? Um I didn't know what to expect really. Um it was it was surreal, uh, yeah, real surreal. Like coming off that plane where we had the the chartered flight um, and going into the airport and you know finding all the red bags because that that was don't we know crazy. <laughs> Not many people know about that bit, do they? Um, yeah. Just a sea of red bags, and then we had to find our one in the in the midst of it. Um, but then apart from that, yeah, I mean, you kind of realised actually how much impact that had. Mm. Uh, on the sport um, and it, it, it did change the sport it completely changed it forever um, because the the interest had gone up massively the the waiting list on pretty much every gym club there was around the country was full up to the absolute brim there was two to three year waiting lists on, on most of the major clubs um, just kids wanting to just get in a gym um, and try it out and what was amazing as well, because obviously a lot of people used to think that, you know, gymnastics was predominantly a women's sport um, with the the men's team um, doing how we did, you know, um, and the women's team obviously doing our hit, how they did um, combined together. We we managed to literally change the sport. You know, mm-hmm. the, the ratio to boys and girls has completely closed the gap. There's so many boys wanting, wanting to join the sport now because they think it's cool. You know, mm-hmm. the results have actually you know, um, made the sport what it is, really, I think, I think and, and, and changed people's perception of it, really. And, and, you know, people can now look at the sport as a, as a great sport to be a part of, and they're seeing the benefits and, and the gains you can get from it, and actually seeing that, you know, you, you train in a local club, and you can, you can go to Olympic one day if you train hard enough for that mm. work, and, you know, get results one day, because people have now done it, um, which is brilliant. 
So from from obviously um, 2016, you then you kind of then choose to go into another cycle, and that cycle is not four years; it's now five years. How do you then motivate yourself after that kind of success? And um, what do you think that what do you think that motivation looks like? Is it any different than kind of London to Rio? What's um, not too much different, if I if I'm honest. Um, the only the hardest thing is that I'm every year I'm getting older, and you know as, as you both know, as you get older, it's, it gets harder. It gets harder. <laughs> At my age, mate, bed's hard. It gets harder on your body. It gets harder on everything. Pressure increases when you've had results before. As you both know, pressure ramps up massively. Every competition that you go to now, if you don't bring back a result, um, it's seen as a failure. Uh, and that's hard. That's really difficult. Um, but apart from all of that, um, my mindset in terms of things like that is it's the same. You know, a lot of people, I've actually had some people come to me saying if they were in my position after Rio, they would have, you know, back it back after Rio, they said this, um, they would have finished there. But for me, it wasn't even a thought. You know, my plan, I made my plans, like, irrelevant of what, I, what, of what results I got at Rio, my plans were set before mm. Rio even, even begun. So I knew I was going to carry on. It was never even uh, a choice. It was, it was never even popped into my head. Um, I wanted to carry on because I, you know, why would I stop? I feel like I can do more. I feel like I, I can still improve on what I'm doing. Um, and, you know, I love what I do. So, yeah, I want to carry on to, to go to Tokyo um, and, you know, hopefully beyond. You know, if my body can let me, I'll, I'll keep going. And if I can, you know, why would I stop if I'm staying at that level? You know, I obviously don't want to see that, that dip. But, um, you know, hopefully, you know, I am quite realistic in myself that if it comes to that point, then, then maybe I'll look at slowing down. But I'd like to think I'm, I'm, I'm not close to that yet. Who do you see as your competitors? Um, at the moment especially going into into Tokyo um I think first and foremost obviously we are looking at a four-man team um we've 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 qualified a four-man team but no one's been selected so yeah the GB team is strong Mm -hmm. um first and foremost I never say that I'm guaranteed to go in 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 teams because I I just don't like to do that everyone trials everyone you know has to go for that and the GB team is hard to make Mm. so we've got that um those guys there, which are all looking really, really good. And then uh, the rest of the world, yeah, it's a tough one. Um, you've got a lot of individual specialists, some that pop out of the woodworks, that pop out of nowhere, um, which you cannot prepare for at all. Um, and then you've got the, the countries that are renowned for being amazing, um, like the likes of Russia, which have proved to be nearly unbeatable over the last few competitions, China. Uh, Japan are obviously I've always been kind of mm. who I look up to my idols um, who I'd like to kind of you know when I was young like to kind of replicate um, and then you've got America and yeah. then we are sitting around there so we're, we're one in the top five teams which I think is is, is a good play, position to be in um, we managed to you know we, we've, we've always kind of sat around that position uh, and from that position that can go either way you know in um, 2012, we proved that that can bump us up to bronze. Um, we were so close to a silver there. In 2015, we um, come second. And, you know, we've come, you know, always around that mark. 
Um, so medals are 100% on the cards. I'd never write that off, but it's very tough as a team. It really is. Mm. Um, you have to obviously all crack it on the same day. Um, but we have the potential, our team's strong, so you, you just never know. You said, so when, you know, you're doing the all-round and you sat with like, your head down, you weren't really watching anyone. Like, mm. obviously, you're not in a competition at the moment, but do you, like, follow your fellow competitors on social media? Do you watch what they're doing? Or are you quite like, I'll just keep to myself, focus on what I'm doing, my training, or do you just have a quick sneaky look, what are they doing, what are they up to type of thing? Um, well, too cool for that. You can tell. too <laughs> cool for that. To be honest, I, I actually don't. Um, I actually don't watch too much. And I think, um, I think uh, like I said, in, in competition, it can be a, a bit of a distraction. Yeah. I, I see it a lot. I see a lot of gymnasts that watch around and, you know, they're thinking, oh, this person's doing this, this person's doing that. Um, and it can kind of change where your plan goes. Mm. Um, me and Scott are kind of confident with the plan um, that we, we agree that the plan is kind of best for me. Um, so I don't want to kind of change anything based on what anyone else might be doing in a competition mm. or anything like that. So I just don't look, I don't watch. Um, and a big reason for that is because I know that I train as hard as I can um, and I aim to be the best that I possibly can be. So I can't do no more. Yeah. So when I go to competition, um, my routine and what I do in a day is its maximum. It's what I want to do mm. that day, what I want to try and achieve. If, I, if it goes good or goes bad, um, that's what's happened on the day. That is it. I can't yeah. do nothing about it. And if it goes good and I'm happy and that isn't the title, but I've done the best I possibly could, I can't not be happy because I've mm. done the best I can. And I yeah. think that's the mindset that really helps me deal with pressure, deal with like really kind of uncomfortable environments and comfortable situations competing, um, just to kind of put myself in my own box and focus on what my job mm. is really. Yeah. We want to know to talk about other things that you're involved with and, and we know that you're, you're passionate about legacy so we really, we really want to look at outside of competing and, and we know that Max Whitlock gymnastics is something that's like a it's not just about you it's also a family collaboration how important is that to you and where do you see that growing we've talked we talked to Becky Adlington about her swim school and she's passionate about the safety aspect as well as learning to swim and the skill set etc just like yeah. to hear about your your gymnastics school yeah, so, um, yeah, it's been running a few years now. Um, and for me, yeah, it's a family business. Me and Leah set this up. Um, and it's something that we are hugely passionate about. You know, I spoke about my passion with regards to getting kids involved in the sport, trying to encourage them and motivate them and kind of inspire them to get into the sport and keep going. Um, there's over a million kids on waiting lists around the country, um, which is a great thing on one hand, but also is a really big issue for the sport because in however many years to come even if it's one percent of those million kids um they might be absolutely mega talents and they might make up the team in 20 whatever um and they might be the superstars at that time and we don't want to kind of miss out on that because that's what's going to keep our sport going so we kind of um set this up with a mission of trying to you know get people off the waiting list get kids through the doors um it's at a recreational level now so it's kind of the foundation levels trying to help them at grassroots um get them involved see if they first of all enjoy it um and see if they want to continue it um and then kind of give them a platform um really and i think that's something that we feel really proud of helping a lot of children with um we've we're uh, proud of our partner we've teamed up with a leisure center everyone active and they've helped us push it out 
know, we've had targets of reaching, you know, a million kids um, within the time frame, And, you know, we, we're just trying to do as much as we possibly can to help as many young children get into sport because I obviously I'm biased towards gymnastics. I, you know, I know the benefits. I have that experience in it. Leo is experienced in coaching. So we're kind of experts in that field. But actually, overall, it's about getting kids active, getting kids involved in sport, um, whether that leads them on uh, to go into play um, football or, you know, be involved in athletics or go swimming or any route, any route at all. If gymnastics has been the springboard to that, then we've done our mission. And do you see yourself in a coaching role at all when you finish, when the big R comes around and you have to kind of go, actually, <laughs> my body's knackered, I need to stop? Do you see yourself as a as a Scott Horn? Do you see yourself as, as a next next big <laughs> coach? Um, I'm not sure. I, 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 I'm not sure. I mean, I'd I'll like ask Scott, to... Obviously. I'll ask him. <laughs> if you've got the skill set. I, I definitely don't think I'd... Um, Compared to Scott, I can, I can tell you that now. Um, one thing I like doing is having the kind of the, the little input that can help, you know, in terms of stuff and the experiences that, I, um, that I've had. Um, me and Scott have had actually during, during lockdown. Uh, me and Scott have actually, this is how close we are, we've teamed up and we've, you know, created a new business. And, and that's basically to help coaches. Um, so it's a coaching education platform um, and that's to help the coaches in gymnastics. So, you know, I'm trying to reach every, every kind of aspect of, of, of gym and um, help in that way because my experiences can help a lot of young gymnasts, older gymnasts can help a lot of coaches. Um, so I hope, I hope that I can help in some kind of way, um, but direct coaching to, to a group of gymnasts. Um, sure. I'm not sure will be my um absolute expertise but hopefully i can help in in a lot of different ways so that's careers in sport you said um is that is that what kind of aspects is that is that looking at the whole kind of administration volunteering spectating the the whole the whole umbrella of sport is that what you're looking into um so careers in sport um is is actually um it's it's something that i'm it's a project that i'm really happy to take on at the moment it's something i'm hugely passionate about um, working with BTEC and Pearson um, in the education space. Um, it's, we've worked really hard together on it. And it's about broadening the mindsets of kind of young learners um, at school um, age. Um, it's very easy when you're young. Um, and I would say probably probably more than 90% of, 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 of kids don't know what they want to do when they're older, which is, is, is fine. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it's hard. It's hard to know what you want to do in 10 years time or and so on. So, you know, what we want to do is actually through studying sport, we want to show how many roles there are available through it. Mm. Um, because I definitely didn't realise when I was at school, but actually being in the thick of it, um, I know who they are the team that surround me, the team that surround them and the team that surround them and so forth. There's so many, so many roles within sport that people just don't know about. You know, kids in school think about... Um, they can be an athlete if they study sport, obviously. They can be a coach or they can be a nutritionist or a physio, maybe. Um, but they don't really think too much beyond that. Um, and there's hundreds. So we kind of try to career profile, show what they can do in their future lives and hopefully make them kind of inspired and thrive to take a path that they think they might love in the future. Yeah, that sounds really good. So you've also got a book out, <clears throat> Fitness and Nutrition. Like what, what inspired you, obviously, and I can imagine that being a, an athlete that's um fitness and nutrition are something that you need for being a high performing athlete but but what kind of inspired you to create that book um 
so for me as a gymnast um i realized kind of every every day that i stepped into the gym i did a full body workout every mm -hmm. single time and that's the thing that i love about gymnastics is that it's not predominantly it's not predominantly arms it's it's a full body workout um and i kind of you know saw that and thought you know a lot of people can gain from this um and a lot of adults um can gain from it um so you know i wanted to try and you know with everything we're doing i want to try and help like, with maximum gymnastics with, with, with everything else is is trying to help youngsters um and i thought you know if i bring something out where adults and um could benefit from gymnastics and see what it could bring um gymnastics spied workout um and a slight nutrition advice as well um that they could pick up that book and become a healthy healthy version of yourself you know just get a bit of inspiration um a kickstart um, you know, like Joe Patrick's like me, I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was all about you know long term as well. It was I, I released it in January, um, but it wasn't kind of a, a a a quick fix. It wasn't anything like that. It wasn't just something that lasted a, a month or, or or free if you're if you're a really really motivated individual. It was something that you could create good habits for a lifetime and so that's why I kind of wanted to to do that to help as many people as I could. Were the workouts specifically designed by you? Were you designing and yeah yeah. Yeah yeah um I've done everything um so that's why it was a really cool process to be a yeah. part of um it was a proud thing for me to do to, mm -hmm. to, to kind of get a book deal and um to go ahead with you know to, to doing that and putting my all into every aspect of it, yeah. the design process, the colors on the pages, the, the workouts, yeah. the nutrition, the, the, everything. Um, yeah. It took a long time, but it's something that I'm really, really proud of. And, uh, you know, working um, on trying to get those um, workouts exactly right for my target audience to make sure mm -hmm. they're progressive as well. Um, you know, so there's some fun ones in there and it's all from home. It's no equipment. It's like the cushion crusher, the sofa workout. So it's, it's all stuff that people can literally do from their sofa pretty much and yeah, just yeah. Get, get back in and get, get healthier really. So I, I know you're a bit of a show off and you're always doing like handstands on TV. <laughs> and, uh, I've been known to do a handstand in, in, in the past and I've been trying to do <laughs> like a one hand, one arm hand handstand. Yeah. Um, nice. And um, I struggle a little bit with my, um, my balance. So is there any tips yeah. you can give me to, to be more efficient in nailing my one arm hands up remember i need to be able to do this before i go to tokyo and if if i don't i'll be blaming one person and one person <laughs> <laughs> um how good are you at a normal handstand yeah i'm good yeah yeah i can walk on my hands okay I'm, more, I'm efficient yeah it's not like i'm like a novice and I've got, <laughs> i can i can do a handstand uh what it is is I, i've got weak uh, my wrists are not that strong, so I have to wear like wrist, wrist supports. But um, yep. I can hold a straight um, handstand. Okay, okay, um, yeah. So the transition is, is is hard. Don't get me wrong; it's really hard to get that balance shift. So obviously, a normal handstand, you you have to be parallel with your hands. Obviously, um, when you come and move over to one handed, the balance shift is is quite strange. It's really quite different. Um, so you really have to kind of shift your body over. But the best tip, I, I know, it's not the the greatest tip in the world. But it's literally as you go into your obviously two-hand handstand, it's trying to lift up onto your fingers um, and literally take the weight off really, really gradually and put it more on this hand. But just really slowly um, and just so that you're predominantly over this side or the hand that you're doing on and you're only using this for slight balance. 
and you'll slowly be able to reduce from holding like that to literally balancing like on just touching, touching and, and then releasing and coming off. But it's practice. One arm handstand is a is a nightmare skill. It's just literally that uh, it just takes time and as soon repetition. as I do it, mate, I'll send you a video. Els, what are you like Please handstands? Do. Awful. I can't <laughs> even hold I can get up, but I just can't hold it. This is the thing. So then I, I just hit the ground hard basically. Um so <laughs> I'm getting, a bit, I'm getting a bit older now as well. So. <laughs> no, you can never be old for a handstand. Um, a good tip, always look at your hands. A lot of people think, you know, stick your head in. Look at your hands the whole time um, okay. so you know where you're balancing. Okay. You'll get a lot more kind of balance from where you can actually look and be visual with it. So um, I'll, I'll look forward to seeing both okay. your attempts. Actually. Okay, yeah. I'll send you that. <laughs> okay, and, and finally, well, not finally, one of the last questions really Um legacy we, we always talk about a guest of legacy so what or how would you like to be remembered um legacy is really important you know I, I feel very proud of the impact that you know I've managed to have in, in a lot of young kids in the sport and I'm hoping that you know the legacy can be that they they believe that it is possible um and that that has kind of yeah a hundred percent you know it's really nice now for for me to see that youngsters that are four and five years old that now want to be Olympic champion for me when I was young because you know I never saw saw that um you know I never even thought that it wasn't even in my mindset so to get them driven and motivated for that high you know be ambitious from it from a young age is a great thing so hopefully you know what I've done can leave a legacy that it is possible um and and anyone can do it Awesome. We, to finish off, we always do like 10 quick fire questions. Um, so we, we start. The, the, have you got them, Ellen? You, Sorry, lost? I'm really unprofessional today. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's just quick 10 quick fire questions. The first Wherever one, it's easy, but you'll be judged on this question. Track or ball? Ball. Yes. yes. Someone's finally said it. <laughs> you, go, you go, Rich. <laughs> You're better off asking these questions. Um, greatest accomplishment in your life so far? Uh, having Willow, 100%. That does everything. Yeah, that, you've, you've talked so openly about that, and that's that, that's great to hear as a, as a dad, but also as an athlete, knowing that that's, that's yeah. really important to you, and I think it does it encompasses who you are. Next one. Mm -hmm. uh, do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe in ghosts? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. We've had lots oh, of. Oh yeah, we haven't had a don't know yet. Yeah. I sit in the but middle. Why? I don't know. I've heard. I've heard stories that are too convincing to say no to. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. So I'm. Oh, I'm. I'm really sorry. Have you me. seen one? Have you seen one though? No. Oh, you're not seeing ghosts. Okay. No. <laughs> what's the What's the biggest risk you've ever taken? <sighs> one that pops ahead, um, and it is it is gymnastics. Um, a moment before I was about to compete, we changed our routine. Like I spoke about that, I wouldn't advise. Um, we've done it, and it and and that instant it paid off. I changed okay. my routine by one tenth um, on the difficulty, and I won by one tenth. Oh uh, wow! And that was actually when I became world champion. For, oh, was it? Wow. Yeah. So oh. sometimes awesome. risks pay off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do. Oh, uh, can you sing? Definitely not. Please don't make no. me. <laughs> no. But. but, but if you were, if you had to do karaoke, what would be your go-to song? Oh God, Moana. It'd have to be Moana. <laughs> Moana. We right. haven't had that yet. No. Right. Right. I've actually got the Moana's DVD here, so I'm <laughs> no, joking. 
I watched it a well, hundred times in lockdown uh, with Willow. She loved it. So uh, yeah. I know all the words. <laughs> My two kids, I've got like the TVs in the back of the car and some of the rubbish that we've been watching over lockdown, <laughs> like Frozen, Frozen 2, yeah. Moana, yeah. Greatest Showman. Like, I've never seen the films, yeah. but I can sing all the songs. <laughs> so Max, when are you the happiest? Um, when I spend time with my family, 100%. Can't beat it. And what's what's the silliest thing you've ever got upset about? Uh, no, we moved into our new house um, in the last year. It's really, this is probably a really silly one, but I didn't cut my grass for a long time and it upset me a lot because <laughs> it grew. <laughs> it was a real dilemma because it grew too high for a lawnmower to even cut it. So oh, really? the situation was like grass cutting. Oh, it was a nightmare. <laughs> it was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Hopefully. Um, it'd be funny if I'm still a, still a gymnast. That'd be great. Um, if my body's still holding up. Imagine that. Uh, so hopefully, yeah, hopefully still trooping on, going to major comps. Wow. 10 years. That's, <laughs> that's impressive, that's that. Yeah. That is a good one. Yeah, it is impressive. And how would, how would your friends describe you? Um, I'd like to think they describe me as chilled, um, family man, and ambitious. And the last one, um, what's your greatest fear? I don't even know. Never Not knowing the million pound question on who wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a greatest fear for me. <laughs> I've never actually thought about that before. Max, um, you let down. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. No, Max, really, it's been an honour and a pleasure no, to have yeah, you on the podcast. Thank you so podcast. much. And no, thank really you very much for having me on. I, uh, great question. you've enjoyed it. Yeah, brilliant questions. And, and obviously, love speaking to you both. And I obviously hope you're both well. And wish you all the both very best of luck with everything you do as well. Some thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you very Another intriguing podcast. Max, for me, is somebody that is an elite athlete but he's also wanting to work with legacy with his local community. One of the things that I don't know about you, Ellen, that really stood out for me is that he wants to put back into gymnastics and sport. Mm. He's got his workouts. He's, he's now going into literature and getting his books out there. And he's really wanting to, to engage with the public and pass on not only his experience in gymnastics, but his experience in getting up and being more active. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really important thing for him as well that he said with his legacy is that he wants to obviously tell his story a little bit and obviously what he's learned along the way with his training, his nutrition, helping those that are, you know, not not necessarily gymnasts, but he wants people to be active. And I think that's really important and a really nice message as well. Um, and, you know, one of my takeaways was, you know, in the lead up to, to Rio um, in, in 2016, he was kind of really open about saying that he didn't have the best preparation, um, but he ended up winning two golds. Um, and I think that was, you know, really great for him to open up about that. And, you know, it's not always about the perfect way or the perfect journey to something. Um, but in the end, he, he worked out and he, he got the right routines and he got the gold medal. So I think that's a really nice takeaway um, from this podcast. Yeah, he definitely had some some uh, bumps in the road didn't yeah. he but to be able to nail those performances on one mm. day is uh, is really tough but to do that twice is phenomenal and that's why we got him on the podcast he's a phenomenal guy and athlete and he's clearly added some some great messages for for the for the public to listen to and watch 
so that's it for this episode thank you so much for listening and supporting us um and uh yeah you've been listening to track and ball podcast with myself richard whitehead (laughs) and myself (laughs) ellen white (laughs) can't end on that cross comes in white with the header and here comes whitehead it's gold for great britain